Well, it is a privilege to be here this morning. Um, I was last here, as Scott said, in March. And it was a privilege then and it is a privilege now. Um, if you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. When I talked to Ted uh, about coming this morning, I was very excited to find out that you have... Uh, th- th- you were going to be singing um, kind of the final round of Christmas carols that we weren't done. I, I'm one of those guys, and I know there are people that disagree with me and, and don't feel the same way, but I'm one of those guys that really likes uh, Christmas, uh, not just because of the focus on the incarnation, but also just I, I like the lights, I like the cooler temperatures, I like the sentimentality, I like, I like all of that. I like sitting on my couch and, and staring at the tree late into the night, even though this year I got a tree too big and it had to be in another room and, and we didn't get to look at it. Um, but I, I'm also one that I, I like to look at the year ahead. I like to take stock in, in what's behind and, and look at what's ahead and, and what's transpired in the past. How might the, the, the future be a little different? How might, you know... How have we grown? How can we implement those things to the coming year? And so, so I'm talking to Ted and I'm, I'm sharing those things. He said, well, we're not done, brother. And you can hear him, right? You know, we're not done, brother. Um, and, and we're singing Christmas carols and, and this would be a great time to, you know, to kind of bring all that together. And so that, that's my desire this morning. I, I want us uh, I, to have the opportunity one last time before we move on. Though, though it would be good for us to always think about the incarnation and dwell upon it. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. But... Um, that we, we somehow leave that. It, it's almost like on the 26th, you know, it's all done, everybody wraps up. I've had to tell, you know, my wife likes to pack everything up as if, you know, there's, there's some deadline to put everything away. And say, you know, let's, let's leave it out. Let's, let's consider this a little bit longer. Um, and so I want to do that. I want to take one last look uh, at this passage in Luke chapter 2, but also use it not only to think back, uh, but also to use it to, to ask a few questions, to give you a few things to consider as we move ahead in, into 2018. What, what might help us uh, from this passage in, in Luke chapter 2? So if you would, stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. And I'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 8 and read down through verse 20. We're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at the, the angels proclaiming, uh, Mary pondering, and then the shepherds praising. Hear now the word of the Lord. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste 
and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation of yourself. We thank you for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, him who took on flesh and dwelt among us. Him who came to do what we could not do for ourselves. And we'd ask that we would see Him today. So I would ask that you would remove anything within me that would hinder that. That we might see Jesus. And I pray these things in His name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we're going to look at the angels proclaiming, Mary pondering, and the shepherds praising. And I I want to set this up so the first part of this is a little bit of context. And and again, we've been been through this passage, right? Not just this year, but but in years past. And so this isn't anything that is new in terms of, of the context of the story, but yet it's good for us to think about. It's good for us to be reminded. So in, in this where we pick up this morning, we find shepherds uh, fulfilling the call that the Lord had placed upon them. They're in their field. They're keeping watch over flocks or, or their flock. Um, we have to remember who these shepherds are. It helps us throughout this passage. Shepherds, most um, there are some that, a few that disagree, but most commentators are in agreement that shepherds are kind of. At the bottom of the rung in terms of social class, uh, we've got a group of guys who were considered liars so much so that their testimony would not be considered in court. Uh, we've got guys that were considered thieves. It wasn't, um, it wasn't uncommon for them to be uh, watching over their particular flock next to another group of shepherds watching their flock and so on. And of course, as sheep do, they wander. And those sheep would wander from one flock to the next. And those shepherds wouldn't necessarily always pick up those sheep that weren't theirs and take them back to where they belong. They had the propensity to to keep them and therefore, um, you know, well, they were thieves. And so, and because of... Because of that, and as well as this, this constant, I mean, they, they could not leave. They were always around their sheep. They were always out in the field. The, overall, the, the basic idea was they were, they were unclean. The way I tried to describe this with my kids growing up is we, uh, again, as a part of Christmas, we, we decorate the tree. And, and, and my favorite, I'm a melancholy person. And my favorite ornament is a small Oscar the Grouch. And he's peeking his head outside of the can. Um, And we had some other Sesame Street ornaments, but he was my favorite. And so I always liked to put him front and center on the tree. And my wife would always say, no, um, he needs to be somewhere else. She would rather he not be on the tree. But I said, okay, I want him on the tree. And so I found a spot that I could put him every year and that she was okay with. And that was around the back at the bottom. 
where nobody would see him. And I got to thinking about that because uh, on our tree we have several angels and there's, all, you know, there's a star at the top, but several of the angels are up top. But Oscar's always at the back, around the, bo- uh, around the bottom, or around the back at the bottom. And this year, as I was t- we had a, a new tree for the first time in a while and I took the tree out, uh, out back to get rid of it. And as I tossed the tree, I looked down and there's Oscar in the leaves. I had forgotten him. That's who we have in the shepherds. Several Oscars who spend their life around the back at the bottom of the tree, forgotten about, tossed away. And this is the group that the shepherds appear to. Very significant that right away we see that what? The proclamation is that Jesus Christ has been born, but the announcement comes to those guys around the back at the bottom of the tree. Sinners. Just as had been proclaimed to Joseph, you will, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He did not come, as we, we read later on in the Gospels, and, and Jesus himself says, I did not come for the righteous. I came for those who are sick. I came for the sinner. I came for men just like these shepherds. And they're in their field. And and many believe that because of the close proximity to to Jerusalem. That they're taking care of sheep that would be used in sacrifices uh, in in the temple. And and what they would do is they would take turns. There would be several of them watching over the sheep. And they would take turns. Uh, They would, you know, every three hours or so. And they would would take shifts. And uh, they come at, 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 at... we, we come to our story at a, at a point of the evening where, you know, the sheep are laying down. They're probably asleep. Uh, the majority of shepherds are asleep. And even the two or, or one or two or whoever, whoever's turn it was to keep watch were probably really struggling to stay awake. Their eyes are getting heavy. Uh, every once in a while, there'll, there'll be a little coo or something from a small lamb. But, but everything's pretty still. And it's in that environment that the angel comes. And so we understand just from the setting why the angel would say fear not. Because more than likely at that point where the angel showed up, chaos broke, broke out. And unlike the movie that was released in the Nativity back in 2006, it wasn't just this calm appearing. It was the most disappointing part of that movie because there's one angel, he's kind of quiet, and there's no hope that we'll talk about in a minute. But if if you have children, if you've ever been a parent, you understand what it feels like to awaken in the middle of the night when you're laying there sound asleep and you're and you're you're um, you're turned toward, you know, off the side of the bed and you're in a sound sleep. And and for some reason you awake and your eyes come open and you have that toddler standing right beside you. And how your, your heart begins to beat. And you just can't calm down because there's just something about that experience like any other. And if you don't have children, and there are other, you understand being awakened out of that slumber and how that feels. Well, you've got the shepherds with that feeling. You've got the sheep that were probably also awakened and they're probably, you know, running around. And, and so chaos is broken out and into that the shepherd or into that the angel speaks fear not. But he says fear not. For more than just that reason. I mean, we got to remember, again, the context. Who are these shepherds? And 
based upon who they are, who they knew themselves to be, by the way. They, they, there was no, you know, there's no denying. They, they were not trying to make things different or, or they weren't believing something different than who they really were. But, but they understood for an angel to appear, the first thought that would have been through their mind once they, they get out of that cloudiness of the sleep would have been for, for an angel to appear would have been the thought of judgment. But the angel says, fear not. Because I come with a, a message of joy, not judgment. And that idea of behold takes, takes on the idea of consider. So it's basically, listen, fear not because I want you to consider the message I'm about to share with you. A message of joy, not of judgment. Just calm down. And he says, I, I have a message for you. There is a Savior... Christ, the and, and the shepherds anointed one, the Messiah who you've anticipated. Remember, there's been silence, a long a long silence, waiting for the Messiah, for God to speak and for the Messiah to come. There is a Savior; He will come to save His people from His sins. The Christ, the Messiah, the awaited one, the Lord, and not just. The one who sits in authority and not just one whom, to, whom you will, uh, to whom you will submit. That's all true. But the I Am. Savior, the Messiah, the great I Am. And then they hear the words, born for you. Let, let that resonate. The message of joy. It wasn't a message of judgment, it was a message of salvation. But it also, we have to be careful and understand, because of who they are, who they were, their situation, it also was not a message of deliverance from a dead-end job. It was not a message of deliverance from bad relationships. It was not a message of a better life now. They, they would have wanted to hear those things, but that's not the message that they come with. They come with a message about a Savior, Christ the Lord. Deliverance, not from those things, not from those temporal things, but deliverance from something much more significant. Deliverance from their sin. Because we read later on in Luke chapter 4, Jesus Himself, as He comes to the temple, or comes to the synagogue and he unrolls the scroll and he explains what he's come to do and who he is and how it is fulfilled in their scene. And what is that? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. To set them free from their sin. To set them free from that fear that gripped them. That fear of judgment that had gripped them. Christ the Lord had come to remove. So I want us to consider first this morning as we think about the new year. What is it that you and I, what, what do we look to to provide security and safety? 
What is it that we look to, even more than that, to justify ourselves before God and before one another? What are those things in which we place our trust? Is it our jobs? Is there a hope of a raise in the coming year? Is it our relationships? Our marriages? You know, a, a good way to judge us is what resolutions did you make? Because oftentimes our resolutions reveal that in which we place our trust. Might might I suggest that this year, this beginning this morning, that we hear the same news that the shepherds heard that night. A Savior has been born for you. Christ the Lord. A Savior, Christ the Lord, born for you. And may, may that... Allow you as you as you think about that as we'll talk about it in just a minute. But as we you know, think about that, may may that allow us to set down that which provides outside of Him. Maybe set down that which we seek to save us, or to provide us security, or or to provide safety. Whatever it is we're, we're looking to other than, other than Him, may that message this morning for us allow us to move on this coming year in freedom. May, may this year we, we live more freely. May we live free from our bondage and yoke of sin. May we live free from the curse of the law and a works-based righteousness. May we live free from the opinions and standards of other people. May we live free from our own self-deprecating thoughts. May we live free from our condemnation, free from the unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others, free from our performance, free from our circumstances, and may we live free in Christ, the one born for you and for me. Be a different year. It would be a different year. So the shepherds hear the news and they make haste. And the reason I didn't say the shepherds running because it didn't fit the alliteration. But the shepherds run in haste to go and see. They want to see if this is in fact, they want to see what's been proclaimed. So they make haste, they go and they arrive and they see everything the way uh, the, the angels had described. But, and, and they come sharing what, what they've heard, excited about it, and that's, that's good. But notice what Mary does. In verse, uh, verse 19, it says, Mary treasured all of these things and pondered them in her heart. What is all these things? Well, most assuredly, all these things includes what the shepherds had just said. I think it's quite a bit more than that. I think Mary is sitting and, and pondering, uh, she's ruminating, she's uh, contemplating, she's considering, uh, she's connecting all the dots from the beginning to that point. In other words, she's thinking about the, the, uh, the, 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 the angel coming to her and explaining what was going to happen. She's considering her time with Elizabeth and all that happened to Elizabeth. She's considering her time back coming... Back to Nazareth and the reactions. 
She's considering Joseph and his response. And she's considering how the angel has spoken to to Joseph and what Joseph comes and says to her. Uh, She's considering their journey to Bethlehem. Uh, She's considering uh, all of the last nine months. And now she's there. The baby has been born. She's considering all of that. And the shepherds come and she's considering and she's she's just binding all of this together. Setting aside all, I mean, all the things that could be distracting at that point, all those are set aside and she, she's just running over and over and over in her mind. And while that's going on, she's also treasuring those things. So it's not just something cognitive going on. It's something that's affecting her emotions. She's valuing those things as she's walking through and thinking about them. And so we've got this cycle going on. I remember laying beside, um, laying beside my wife in the hospital, staring at my little girl after she had been born. And there's something, if you have sons and daughters, you know the difference. You know, the boys are born and you're like, get up, it's time to play. It's time to wrestle, it's time to throw the ball, it's time to do all those things. I couldn't wait for them to get older. I'm laying there in that bed looking at my daughter going, stay there forever. But as I'm laying there and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm pondering and thinking back over, over the last nine months. But I'm also thinking about what's to come. Running over. And I can, I can feel myself as I'm thinking through those things. I can feel those emotions welling up inside of me. I can feel the value and my love for her growing even at that moment because I'm, because I'm running through all those things in my mind. And that's what Mary's doing. Mary's looking at her new baby. She's looking at those around. She's connecting all the dots. She's beginning to treasure. And the more she treasures, the more she ponders. The more she ponders, the more she treasures. And she begins to even think at what, what's in store. She knows who he is. But she doesn't quite know everything. There are some things that she knows is going to happen. But not, maybe not some of the specifics. And so she's, again, running over those in her mind. So, so, again, second question. What occupies your thoughts? What, what do you spend most of your time thinking about? In those moments, uh, you know, what's your default go-to driving down the road? At, in those moments when, when you actually find a little bit of silence. Uh, what is it that, you, that runs through your mind? And, and what are those things that, 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 that you treasure and hold dear and, and strike it at your heart and that you, and that you value and you hold close to you and... and and you hold dear, and, 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 and those things that you value, you spend most of your time thinking about. I mean, there's a reason, right? It says treasure and ponder. You know, might I suggest, as I have earlier, might I suggest that this year we treasure and ponder Christ and His gospel more than we have in the year past? The writer of Hebrews says, consider Jesus. Might we consider the Lord Jesus Christ more than ourselves, more than our circumstances, more than our jobs, more than our relationships, more than our wants and desires, um, more than our social media, more than the game tomorrow. 
Might we, might we consider and ponder and contemplate and, and ruminate upon the Lord Jesus and all, you know, who He is and all that He's done for us. Mary's got nine extraordinary months to consider and to contemplate and, and to ponder on. What do we have? Right, because we know from the end of Luke that Jesus came to proclaim that everything in the Old Testament is about me. You and I have the incredible opportunity to dwell upon and consider the Old Testament. Thousands of years prior to this moment. Then we've also got the nine months. Then we've also got His life. We also have His death. We also have His resurrection. We also have His ascension and the fact that He is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And we have the wonderful opportunity to consider and to ponder and to treasure the fact that He's coming back for us. So much more. And oh, if we would, we would consider those things and allow those things to run through our minds and... and, and that, that, that value of it continue to grow and we would see that cycle taking place, how different would this coming year be? How different would it be as we ponder and treasure the Lord Jesus in the Gospel more? May, may our, our thoughts and our affections be, be transformed. And may we fall, and, and, and may we grow to love Him more deeply as we consider who He is and all that He's done for us. And, and by the way, might we consider to set aside those things that distract us? Because in many ways, those things that distract us are simply a way of, of avoiding who we really are and what we need as well as the Savior who has come to meet that need. What, what distracts us? Might we set those things aside? Well, in verse 20, after all this has taken place, the shepherds leave. And, and in verse 20, it says, they left glorifying and praising God. But they, there's a key word that they returned. First, of course, they're going to leave glorifying and praising God. Why? They've, they've heard this message of a Savior born for them. The Savior Christ, the Lord, has been born for them. But then they show up and they see everything that has been described. And so very naturally, they're going to leave glorifying and praising God. Uh, Ligon Duncan says he wouldn't be surprised if they left praising and glorifying God more than the angels. Why is that? Because the shepherds had something to be saved from. So they, they leave glorifying and praising God, um, and, but, but notice, and, and, they, and they leave because they, they understand they haven't merited this coming of this, this Savior born for them. They know who they are, and they know they've done nothing to deserve this. And this announcement and this coming is, is nothing but an expression of grace and mercy. And so they leave. As, as we come and as we worship and praise, we, we worship and praise not in order to get God to do something, but we come to worship and praise because of what He's already done for us in Christ Jesus. And that's what we see the shepherds doing. But, but what I really want to focus our attention on is the fact that they return. You say, well, that, that doesn't seem that significant. Well, 
It, this has been something that I've thought about for a few years now. And that is, we, we live in a time when, when, when unfortunately in evangelicalism, whatever that means, um, we, we have this idea of wanting to, to, to experience the extraordinary, to create the extraordinary, to maintain the extraordinary. Uh, there's been this push of, you know, we've got, we, we've been teaching our, uh, our kids have been hearing you need to go and be world changers and you need to li- live an epic life and, and you need, you know, you've got to sell everything you own. I mean, you can see it on the internet all over the place and in social media, you know, real Christians do these big things. But where do the shepherds go? They go right back to their field. Now, they've been changed. And they've heard a message. And that message is one that they continue, but they proclaim it. You know, on their way back to the field, they probably proclaimed it to those that they saw on their way back. They proclaimed it where they were. They probably talked about it amongst one another. Hey, you remember when, you know, going back over it. But they, they didn't leave their occupations. We don't read that they, read, that they left their occupations. We, didn't, we don't read that all of a sudden that you know, they, they left the, the back bottom of the tree and are now up, up somewhere in, in, the, in the front because they no, now they've been changed, but they go right back where they were. Same job, same relationships. Might we consider this year that not only that, that we that we consider Jesus, but that we also come to a place in the words of Paul that we that we live how does he put it in first Corinthians seven? That that we live the life that's been appointed for us. It's verse 17. The life that's been appointed to us. That means going back this morning, coming, praising the Lord for all He's done, receiving the grace that He has chosen to give us through word and sacrament, but then going right back out to where we've we've been appointed. Same jobs, same homes, same schools, but go proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Using where we are, may where we are be that mission field. Now, some are called. Some are called to sell all they own. And to, we had missionaries from uh, Great Britain with us in our home last night, and they've been there for twenty plus years. The Lord's called them to that, and it was a great time to visit with them and their and their work with uh, Muslims there in Europe. They've been called to that. They were with MTW and it, it was a fantastic evening. But not everybody is called to that. Most of us in this room are, are called to minister on Main Street. Or whatever the name of your street is in your home and with your neighbors next door. Students at John Brown, minister there in the halls, on campus, in your classrooms. In the midst of the routine and the ordinary and the mundane. Fathers discipline, uh, disciplining too, but discipling their children, loving their wives well, being faithful in the little things, 
mothers and wives loving their husbands and, and, and treasuring and ministering to their children. That is valuable, valuable spiritual work. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. The difference was they went back into that with joy and hope. Right? Because they understood that they were at peace with God. And therefore they knew they were at peace with one another. They had heard, they understood Jesus, the Christ, the Lord had been born for them. And it affected who they were. And then who they were went back into where they had always been. Might our year be different this year? If we do that. We have a life of faith. And faithfulness to live where we are as God has ordained. So my hope is this morning. As, again as we, we wrap up our, our month. Of focusing on the incarnation of the Lord Jesus. And as we look ahead to, to the coming year. That. Maybe this coming year would be a year of resting and trusting more so than we have in the past. May it be a year of proclaiming and pondering and praising the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we, may, may we stop making life more complicated than it needs to be. May we praise the Savior, Christ the Lord, who was born for us, lived for us, died for us, and is one day coming again for us. Might this year be different as we consider Him? Let's pray together. Well, Father, we're so grateful.